Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley, and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Sarah Fenna, Microsoft 365 consultant, trainer, and fellow M365 apps and services MVP on the topic of Microsoft Viva topics and the rapidly evolving world of search and discovery within enterprise collaboration. Welcome to another Collab Talk podcast, and I'm here with fellow MVP and Viva Explorer. So we now have, I've got the pin, so it makes it all official. It uh, does. Sarah, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm still a little bit jet lagged from last week in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. But that's to be I'm, expected. I feel, I feel a bit jet lagged too, but Considering it's only an, an hour's time shift, I don't think I can claim that. I <laughs> think I've got that. conference yeah. lag. Yeah. Well, that's and that's a real thing, too. It's I always say that uh, it's amazing that the body understands when the commitment is done. So if you have a session and your primary content you're delivering is on day one of the conference, you are noticeably more relaxed on the the days two and three and uh, yeah. So if your if your session is the last day, you're wired that entire week. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I've done both both ways. Well, I had one on day two and day three this time. So yeah, I was definitely wired by the time I got home. Yeah, and I came home straight away. On the final day of the conference, I flew home that evening. Yeah. Um, so, yes, a couple of days to recover, at least, I think. <laughs> yeah, it took me an entire day to get home. So I uh, uh, long, long travels, but over from Copenhagen to Salt Lake City. Well, but so my one session on Tuesday was on uh, just a broad overview of preparing for Microsoft Viva. So I didn't get into the detail of any one of them. In fact, my guidance for anybody there on day one of the sessions was uh, go look at the deep dive sessions into the other topics. What did you cover in your sessions? So I was looking at um, Viva Teams and Loop and looking at how Mm. the three can work together in harmony rather than them actually conflicting with each other. I think we're going to be talking a lot more about that conflict, non-conflict, how those things work. So that's a great topic. That's a great like tweet jam topic and get into that. So (laughs) so I'm thinking about 2023 topics already. Everything's a topic. Everything's a topic. Well, speaking of topics. So I know that when Viva Topics came out, uh, you know, it's one of the first, I should say, when the first four experiences. I call them modules. I know Microsoft calls them experiences. We all kind of roll <laughs> our eyes when Microsoft says in these new experiences, they're like, okay, marketing people, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, but so the first four Viva solutions or experiences mm-hmm. of learning insights, connections, and topics, topics coming out of SharePoint syntax, now Microsoft syntax. And 
it, it really, uh, and I know you and I are both participating this week for MVPs and number of partners. There's the Teams airlifter, the Microsoft airlift that's going yeah. on. So we're getting kind of behind the scenes on roadmap from the engineering team, which is always great insights and great to ask questions. In fact, both of it, well, it just came out of the topics session with Naomi uh, Moneypenny and CJ Tan and a few other uh, engineering folks talking about what's coming up. So I'll try to be careful to not talk about anything that we're not supposed to talk about yet. Well, I didn't go to that session. So ah, well then, if I start brilliant. waving at you, it's something you shouldn't be talking about because I haven't ah. heard that one yet. That's all right. Well, so, uh, but it was interesting as topics came out is the idea and, and having my background being collaboration and information management systems. Topics was just uh, the most meaningful of the solutions. And it's still, uh, it, it's a, in my session on preparing for Viva, I said of all of the modules or sorry, experiences of all of them, topics is the heaviest lift by far. Um, amount of work that needs to be done in getting ready for it. Of course, you know, AI, you, you flip a switch, you turn it on, kind of like the Delve experience. A lot of people, and I think I said this in my session, with Delve, when everybody turned that on, so you had kind of the next-gen search, intelligent search experience, and people were unimpressed with the out-of-the-box, just turn on switch, because it takes time. It takes yes. curation. It takes nurturing. It has to learn. Yes. And topics is similar. You can just flip it on and see what happens, but there's curation. There's work that needs to be done. There's yes. a, like a librarian effort to maintain it. Very much. So what, what's think, been your experience? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I think it depends on what you want out of it. You know, to get the absolute most out of Viva Topics, as you say, you've got to curate it, you've got to manually manage it. But it still has value even if you don't do that, I think. Even if you just switch it on and let it discover, let it learn, let it let it run wild in your Microsoft 365 environment, it can still be really useful because it's discovering the themes that you work on, that you discuss, some of which might be very, very surprising to mm. organizations, what they're actually producing content about. So I agree, but with a caveat to that, <laughs> because it's like search. I, mean, I remember having a conversation when SharePoint 2010 came out and where you started to see the integration of the uh, fast search capabilities with that mm -hmm. acquisition that Microsoft did to start to integrate that in the solution. And remember talking to a customer and said, you know, hey, we turned on the new, with the new search, we moved everything over to the, the environment and search is broken. like. That was the statement. I'm like, what do you mean it's broken? It's like, well, I'm able to see content that I should not be seeing. I was like, well, that doesn't mean search is broken. No. That means that your information architecture, your security practices, the cleanup is lacking of your content. What exactly. you're doing is you're uncovering sloppiness. And I got a lot of the same argument with Delve as well. Delve hmm. is really dangerous because it surfaces content that users shouldn't have access to. Well, no, it might be searching content they should not have access to, but it is content they do have access to. Right. 
So actually what it's showcasing is that your environment is not configured the way you think it is. Right. And so that that's my statement about topics and just turning <laughs> it on. You're correct. Like it will learn over time of like what people are actually doing, the interactions with that, the the people side of that, you know, the, who are the experts around the various topics. It doesn't man, man uh, doesn't mean that that should be the results that it's showing. Uh, and, and so that's what I meant about the, the heavy lift is that if you're yeah. going to go and do it properly, then there's cleanup, there's setup, and then there's the curation and management of that, of that ongoing. So what do you think to the adoption methodology of turn it on for a limited number of users, those knowledge managers, and they can start doing that cleanup with the assistance of Viva Topics? What about that as an approach? See, I'm I am all about the pilots. I love that approach, and then slowly broaden that out. Maybe, but as a way to train the the people who will be the librarians of this system, so that they become uh, accustomed to the user experience. They know what to go in and look for. They can start identifying the obvious, like, hey, we should not be seeing this, or this is not part of that. We need to to do some more cleanup. Mm -hmm. I I love that idea. And obviously that also allows organizations to look at the governance within their tenant to look at their SharePoint site permissions or, to look or, at their sensitivity lack, labels. Lack thereof of governance, but yes. Well, yes, but it's all about it's all about taking advantage of what the tool gives us. And if the the first step is the tool gives us the ability to improve our SharePoint architecture then that's a great first step and i don't see that as a negative of the product i see it as a an unexpected bonus i should back up sarah and, and ask you about in your role i mean so as you talk with like what's your primary role and how do you approach viva and topics discussions with your customers so my primary role i spend most of my time training users on the technology um and there's a bit of consultancy in there as well. But to be honest, my diary is pretty much filled with training. Mm -hmm. So it's all about really the art of the possible and the switches to make that possible mm -hmm. reality. So that's my Viva Explorer persona as well. I'm the Viva realist. I'm about making that link between the art of the possible and the reality. That's always... Uh, so my my background as and and you and I you know don't know each other as well like my background I started 31 years ago as a tech writer and a business analyst and so much of my experience was in that category was I understand I'm 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 like the go between between the business users and understanding what the business is trying to accomplish the outcomes that were desired and engineering what they actually build and the progress of that and communicating back and forth between the two translating i would always say um yeah between those translating two. the technical into into user speak right but it was always about that is that to say okay ask for the world users always especially if they have an inkling of what the new technology can do they ask for everything the pushback of of real world of timelines and what's actually possible, what we have the licenses, the skills to go and do and the cost and all like that side of it, which I got into is 
uh, in the the dark ages of my, my project management years of, of dealing with that side of it more. Um, but I love that phrasing of the you know the art of the possible by going in and saying, hey, look, this is here's a real world example. This is what this would actually look like. And uh, and to be honest, that's where I it was it was about 10, 12 years into my experience working life where I had experience working with a UX designer and mm -hmm. having those kinds of conversations of not just what would you like to see, what's your wish list of features, but let's put this in real world scenarios and see what this would actually look like, how this would actually function and fit in with the way that you work. Well, some of my early career was working with software developers freshly graduated software developers with their newly minted and still wet certificates um, from their degrees. And it was translating what they were saying and doing into terminology that the customers could understand mm -hmm. and feeding back the request from the customers and turning it into what I termed geek speak. Mm -hmm. um, so that interface between the technical user or the technical person if you like and the user it's still something I do today as we interpret what Microsoft are producing into what it could be inside different businesses and then in the training side of things actually how to achieve that. So now you've done it, Sarah. You've told the world exactly what the MVPs do. So the secret's out. Like that's Secret that's the value, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, yeah. I mean that that is one of the reasons why I instantly gravitated to toward the messaging around Viva was that it was. I've always talked about uh, it. So it's 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 the uh, it's technology led, but it's very much about fitting in with the culture of the organization, how they work. I mean, I talk extensively in the in these podcasts around the culture of collaboration and fitting yes. technology. It's, I mean, it's the difference between going and changing or trying to force your organization to work a certain way because that's the way the software works versus adapt or, or you know, organically. There's always going to be some change that happens in the culture. But yeah. looking more at the way the culture works and fitting technology in to the that that culture and mm -hmm. slowly you know changing that as needed. But it's more of a shift. It's it's more of a culture focus than the technology focus. It's the people focus versus the technology focus. Yeah, I mean Microsoft used to have a slogan: "Work smarter, not harder." And for me, that's where Viva really fits in. It's taking a lot of the functionality that we've got in Microsoft 365, putting that employee experience view onto it, and then just making it easier to use the products correctly and get the most out of them with a little bit of help from the AI. We're not paying for nothing. We are right. paying for additional features, but it's all about that, that extra couple of centimeters on the top to really make the huge difference. Um, and, and a lot of the Viva products are using that AI machine learning driven functionality mm -hmm. to really speed up 
the process for users and topics is is a really key example of of that because you know we can tag documents with metadata manually we can right. build pages and views and all the rest of it to find this content but we're not great at that as human beings no and if you think about in this again this the history of search inside of information management systems you're right i mean a lot of the the way that it actually works i mean there have been versions of that html access into based on tags and be yeah. able to go in and search and find that we've gone in and some organizations that have spent uh, innumerable hours building out their taxonomy and search pages and filters and sliders on information and reporting and kind of all these different ways of finding that information. Now it's really about leveraging. Let's be smart about how we build that yep. content. Let the system go and find the linkages between content. My my problem with search has always been is like search is great if this is the way that I used to describe it. If the content creator um, put it in a place that you have access to, um, that mm -hmm. you have the right permissions to that, that it was tagged, labeled, and classified correctly. Um, and even then, going in a lot of times when I'm searching for something, um, I don't know, am I even using the right keywords? It might have been tagged mm -hmm. and labeled correctly, but I'm not, I don't know those keywords to be able to go and find that. For the system to go in and intelligently and understand who I am what I'm looking for based on the keywords and based on the patterns of behavior to, to actually bring me back results, not based on the literal inputs that I gave to the system, but what it's, uh, it understands in context and in relation to what other people that have actually gone and found that other important, that valued content, all of that feeds into now the topic system. So where it's now pulling these things together. So I might look at a piece of content, search for something or or find in a conversation. I might see a tag for a topic and be like, well, how does that fit in there? And and so I, I may discover, because that's the other important aspect of mm -hmm. topics is that discovery process, content and projects and people that I had no idea were related to the thing that I was searching for. That's incredibly powerful. It is. And, and one of the really nice way of thinking about this is if you think about cultural differences yeah in the uk the things we put on our legs we call trousers mm -hmm. yeah um and the things we wear under our trousers we call pants yep yep now if i'm in the us and i'm searching a store for pants i'm not going to find what i'm what i think i'm looking for if you modify it with underpants yes uh, yeah. Whereas with topics, we can have alternative keywords that identify the same topic, and then we'd find we'd all find what we were looking for, hopefully, yeah. and uh, and turn up to work properly attired. Yeah, hopefully, and, uh, yes, that that would be worn in the right order. Um, yeah. Although Madonna <laughs> in the eighties and nineties kind of switched those, but you know that's all right. Yeah. For but style, at least we do what that we was do. a deliberate choice, wasn't yes, it? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but well, I think it's it's sometimes it's useful to bring it back to those kind of examples as to where, as individuals, we use different keywords to mean the same thing. 
Well, that's why, again, going back from the search, I mean, it's not that this is new. It is that it is more intelligent. It's automated because, again, I've worked with many, many customers that were very thorough in their taxonomy and folksonomy development. Mm -hmm. They were actively curating. So the folksonomy, so it's user-generated keywords, you know, uh, uh, that are synonymous with those, those Mm -hmm. keywords and building that out. But it was a very manual process. So now you have the system making those connections. And on top of that, we've got those subject matter experts coming in and verifying that information and augmenting it with manual information. So Mm -hmm. that manual knowledge that oh, actually in that part of the world or in that part of the business, we refer to it as, and therefore I can add that as an alternative name and the AI will find those alternative documents. We can nominate author, you know, users who have the knowledge and the key documents for the organization about that topic. So we're not just letting the AI run wild, we are actually bringing the clarity of human knowledge on top and letting the AI do the heavy lifting. Right. And that's where we get that huge value to the organization over and above just search and metadata. So as you talk with clients that are starting to experiment with topics, I mean, I, I you know, I, cause I've had conversations with, um, uh, so two clients, former clients just said now that are, you know, different company, but were part of the initial first or second waves mm-hmm. of trials of what is now topic. So when it was part of just syntax or cortex, the internal yes. Microsoft project, um, and their feedback was like, I, I think they were so sold on the marketing pitch for it was that they, they, it was much more of the curation and and uh, you know teaching and that that they had ex- expected. I'm like, well, were you expecting it just turnkey again, flip a switch and it just worked? Now, of course, the product has been it's more advanced. It's it's been it's yes. it's constantly you know they're they're adding to and innovating on it. So it's changed a lot in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But what's the feedback that you have from customers? Are there any kind of you know uh, guiding principles, things that they were surprised by or that you were surprised by that you know still that you need to do like what is the ongoing management of topics what is that experience i think the big surprise is that topics always comes up with themes topics that you don't expect Hmm. um and that when you integrate it with your managed metadata if you pull your managed metadata across to generate topics it doesn't always bring up it doesn't bring all of the match Uh, the metadata across things don't match Hmm. so there is then that ongoing review almost to to sense check what you're finding and what your users are doing and if you're working in the environments that you think you're working in are you building the data you think you're building or actually, is there an area of the business that isn't generating content? That's a whole other discussion. But that's uh, that that's uh, that's something for for an insights discussion. It is. Yeah. 
Well, is it? If we're not building content in that area, it doesn't necessarily mean we're not working in that area. It no. just means our content's fairly static. Right. I, and that's, again, I think if you look, step back and look at everything within the collaboration space is that one of the mistakes made, and part of in my session I talked about, I said you can learn so much about what we learn from building portals, building SharePoint sites and like that from information management standpoint within the Microsoft ecosystem. And this is true for other technologies as well, yeah. is that you can't apply one standard across an entire organization. That yeah. business units, that teams within those business units might function very different and their needs are very different. So by looking at one side of the business and saying they're fantastic, all these the topics, they're generating content and another side, what are they doing wrong? No. like that should inform you they may just work very differently they may yeah. be using other like their content primary content could be in the now like it could be all in teams and chat base rather than documents and other digital assets that yeah, collects in a knowledge system or static documents and their their churn if you like their work is in the communication and clarification with customers and it's the communication channels where their effort is ongoing and that that doesn't as we said doesn't mean they're not working it just means they're working with the information differently and it won't be surfaced by topics because it's not got the activity or it won't be surfaced as quickly right well that's why it's i mean one i think if you look at the expansion i'm not up to on the latest list of what's included I saw some lists today, so I'm not going to try to guess at what's included <laughs> today. But while Microsoft is looking at always at expanding the yes. different sources of content so that we can start to see into things like our you know enterprise social networking interactions. Mm -hmm. um, like it's not going to go and catalog um, all email. Um, no. You know, and so things that are private, because you also have to think of GDPR and other security practices and and things like that. Uh, in fact, I think that was a question that came up in a session last week at ESPC. Somebody was asking yes. about, I'm trying to remember, I have to go back to, I'm sure I wrote some notes on this, that um, somebody talked about the expansion of, uh, you know, and accessing like that, the, the differences between some of that private information anyway. Um, but that that's something that's yeah, just I very mean, different. Again, that's something that a business needs to really consider before they look at these products is what are they what are their aims? What are the, why are they switching this on? Mm -hmm. I'm for me in my organization, she says in inverted commas, because hmm. my organization is primarily me. I don't work it day to day in a very large organization but the reason I switched topics on for, for my tenant was because I'm rubbish at filing information properly <laughs> it's everywhere yeah and I needed a mechanism of trying to pull it together and organizing it and actually topics has done that yeah um and I don't need to move the content and it's probably saved me an awful lot of rework and that's what I was hoping topics would deliver in my tenant. Yep. And that's what it's achieved. Now I remember the thought too. I don't, again, I don't remember who was presenting, but I remember the discussion was around 
um, around topics and the personal. So even in your scenario, like that's great mm -hmm. for those things that are captured. And of course, you and your your single tenant. I have my personal tenant as well. Yes. Um, but that's where search or the delve experience is still relevant. If you're in an organization and topics is is the organizational data that's there, mm -hmm. then you have all of your emails, you have all of your personal chats, other things which you know, and the, the connections that are made that may not show up within the topics, but there, that's why for that that private information having something like delve that goes in the delve interface yes it is still out there it's still a product folks <laughs> it's been integrated into other things but it still exists but it's also a lot of that capability into the uh, the default um office experience so if you log in an office you get that delve experience of most recent files most recent conversations yes. shared with me kind of all those kinds of views that in conjunction with topics that's how you organize your life. Topics is everything organizationally. Delve or now the office, the default office experience, again, which has Delve integrated into it, uh, mm -hmm. is that personal view of those things. Yeah, and I am always recommending users to do their searching from the Microsoft 365 homepage. Yep. Go to that homepage, that big search box at the top of the screen, do your search in there. If you've got topics, it's going to showcase the topic as one of the early results if it finds a match. Plus, then you've got all of your sites, lists, libraries, messages across Outlook and Teams, all showcased together and you can filter it down for what you're looking for. I had one the other day where it actually came up with a loop component for me and I'm like, oh, no. I've done that in loop. Yeah. And I, I shocked myself. But that's the point. It's that it's finding those integrations and the search is finding the topic, which is the curated content. Mm -hmm. Which AI has discovered and users have approved. Mm -hmm. um, and also then that the, the tradition, the more traditional search experience as well. And that's where you really get your time saving. Now, I, I always, always used to uh, say that I am what I'm waiting for is the psychic interface. I want to not even have to type. I just want to sit back. It just like we're getting <laughs> we're getting close to that experience in that um, based on where we are, what we're working on, that it will start start to identify that. So again, it makes that discovery process mm -hmm. so crucial. And, and, and folks, I mean, I, I've written about this, um, about, you know, search and discovery, and that's important to, um, uh, you know, social collaboration in general. Mm -hmm. And so having, uh, you know, I think I said this earlier, but it's not about what I'm think I'm searching for, but what I actually need, like, don't yeah. tell me what I asked for, tell me what I actually need. And that's where this technology is getting so smart it's getting it, it's going in that direction yes it is and it's finding those links although you know the concept of a totally psychic interface is actually quite terrifying especially right. for a trainer <laughs> can you uh, well, imagine I, if I know I'm, well you'd have I'm to leave the filters training. on you'd have to have filters on 
So you'd have to have guardrails. <laughs> you have to have mental filters on. It would That's be right. quite terrifying. And no yeah. one wants to go inside my brain, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it just, it makes me think of that meme. It's like, well, that's really fat squirrel. You know, yeah. yeah that's that's the problem is, is uh, that would the psychic interface not good for folks with uh, ADHD? Or IT trainers who sit here with far too many screens in front of them. That too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I agreed. So, uh, so uh, anything, uh, any other guidance, any other uh, recommendations for people that are interested in finding out more about topics? I mean, there's loads of great information out there. Um, the, I, I really like the Microsoft Fever pages in the adoption site, adoption.microsoft.com. Mm -hmm. There's some really good click through yeah. examples in there if you want to see um, what it's on about um, and how it works and what it looks like. Without. There's more and more case studies as well that are being added. Yes. So there's great assets that are being added. It's still a bit lacking around the Viva, some of the case studies, but they're coming. Microsoft, there's placeholders for those and there's more and more being added. Yeah, but people, quite often people want to see what it looks like without having to pay the money up front. Right. And test it out. So I I really like those um, those click through examples and the little videos there. But otherwise, I'd recommend getting one or two licenses for um, privileged users, users mm -hmm. who are quite senior in the organisation, and turn on Fever Topics and let them review what it finds. Because that is also going to inform how you want to do the rollout. Right. And there's nothing quite like actually getting hands on with the results in the real world. And treat it as an experiment. And if you end up switching it off, you end up switching it off if it's not yeah. for your organization. But I think you do have to start somewhere. You can't continuously review and not dive in at some point. Uh, and I would also, I, I, I was just trying to think, I'm not sure if uh, I've not gone looking to see if Viva modules are available within the developer uh, Microsoft demo tenants. Um, I'm not even looked, but to your point, it's not gonna be as meaningful as looking at it with your own data. Um, so that's that's something that you should. I mean, if you're in a larger organization, it's tougher to go get that. You know, it, yes, you'll have yes. to go and make sure that it's a very limited uh, rollout of that. But you can do that. Yeah, you can limit it to specific SharePoint sites so that you don't use all of the content in your tenant. Um, Obviously, it will honor sensitivity labeling as well. So you can exclude certain sensitivity labels if you've adopted those to help minimize the data it's going to discover. But you do need a good number of documents. So mm -hmm. it's no good just pointing it at one SharePoint site. Right. Um, and I think, yes, there's challenges in a large organization, but until you know what those challenges are that you're facing, it's difficult to come up with an adoption process. You've got to do some form of experiment first at whatever level that actually turns out to be. Right. In terms of putting it in the developer 
experience, that's not going to give you a good right. idea of what no. it's going to find. It, it'll it'll help you through. I know there's some dummy data and stuff that's up there. It, see what some of the core capabilities are. But right, it's there's nothing that will replace that that view of a product through your own data, data that you're familiar with, you'll know what's working and how it works, how it's not working, you know, based, because you'll know your own data. Yeah. Uh, Is it finding the right topics? And people and everything and else, right? Yep. And and if it's not, we've got a lot more curation to do. It doesn't mean the product isn't suitable for your organization. It just means that the way your data is organized and who's actually working on that those files aren't necessarily the people you consider the experts. Right. So you might discover you've got more experts than you thought. You might discover you've got different experts or you might discover there's a, a business process opportunity yep. as well. Agreed. Viva is about the employee experience. We, we've it's not just the technology, it's the people as well. We've got to look at both. Yep. Well, I'm surprised you didn't list at the top as to also go check out the Viva Explorers website. Uh, <laughs> I know it's we're, we're building it out. There's not a ton that's we out are, there yeah. yet, but we'll be adding to that. And I'm still, uh, I'm waiting for my illustration to be up there as as well. But uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot more coming there. there. There is a lot of great community content um, that's happening. I'm I'm excited to see like uh, the the European SharePoint Office 365 and Azure conference last week, where Sarah and I both mm -hmm. saw each other uh, in Copenhagen. I mean, there was a lot of content around Viva that was great to see. Like we're doing our our Collab Days Utah event in March. We have a Viva pillar. There's enough yeah. interest in that that we're going to have seven sessions in one stationary room around Viva. So very excited about that. Uh, so you're yeah, seeing that and, more and more. And we're hoping as the Viva Explorers, as we go round to more of these conferences, we're going to see many more of these Viva tracks. Um, I can't say anything yet, but I know of something coming in the UK, hopefully announced very soon um, in one of uh, one of our upcoming conferences next year, that there will be a Viva track. Um, with the Viva Explorers, a group of us all there from the UK, so that will be really good. Um, we have the Viva Explorers Roadshow in Manchester in the UK in November and just this last weekend in Toronto in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. So day community events dedicated to Microsoft Viva. There's one for the Netherlands and Belgium in planning as well. And We're trying to say, get some underway in the US as well. And I will say that we talked with two Microsoft executives and we are planning to do something on Microsoft campus, probably late summer, early fall in the US in 2023 uh, on Microsoft campus. So we just need to lock down dates. And mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I've, I've, I've organized many events on that campus uh, for years. And so I'm excited to, to get back out there as well. And so it's something but dedicated 100% Viva, so not mixed up with that other technology. Those, uh, even though it's an integrated technology, folks. But yeah, and and I think it's important to say as well that what we're looking at with these dedicated Viva events is that it's not just IT people, right? Okay, Microsoft Viva is a a tool set 
that needs your organization's holistic view on it. We, you need HR, you need finance, you need comms, you need everybody. Every part of the business has a stake in this. Yep. And, and they need to know about what's going on. So these conferences, we're very much trying to make sure that we cover the whole organization and everyone's welcome. So if you're in IT and you're listening to this, then when you spot one of those events, bring a colleague from a different department with you, or five even. All, most of these community events are put on completely free of charge to attend, or with a very small fee um, for practicalities. But it's not like the big conferences. Big conferences right. are great, but they're sometimes expensive to attend. Yeah. These community events are much more accessible, so you can bring the whole company. I, I love doing these events when you see that, where you see there's one company and like 20 people from that company registered. Like, that's fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, Sarah, really appreciate your time. Of course, I'll share uh, uh, on the blog uh, and along with the podcast, all of Sarah's contact information. If you'd like to reach out to her, make sure you check out the uh, on my blog on buckleyplanet.com and search for Sarah Fenna. Um, her details will be within the blog post and, of course, on this episode of the podcast. So. With that, Sarah, really thanks. Thanks a lot for your time. And we didn't even get in to talk about our baby Grogu's in both of our backgrounds. Here, I know. But, um, have yeah. you noticed mine's wearing a Santa hat? I, I know noticed he's a little that. Bit, yeah. I know My he's hat. a little bit in the distance, but he's he's already christmas up. Yeah, <laughs> mine has no holiday spirit. He's back there with his hand up doing some kind of force choke or something attempt on me. So He's he's <laughs> trying to get his Santa hat. That's what it is. Yeah, he's trying to, He's trying to pull it in. He's reaching out. So, well, thanks a lot for your time, Sarah. Thank you. Speak to you soon. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening.